Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 613 with a review of Irresistible. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. This week, we are talking about the latest film written and directed by one John Stewart. Um, this is a film that uh, you might have heard about, uh, mostly because uh, it's kind of being universally panned by, <laughs> by most people. Um, we, though, here on the podcast, uh, you know, we thought... You know, why don't we just spend some hard-earned $20 and rent this thing? Yeah, I mean, it's cheap, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, why don't we see... I mean, we, we've been we've been renting some... Or we've been reviewing some free films lately. Why don't we, uh, you know, throw down some actual cash and uh, see if this film is really as bad as everybody says it is? Yeah, give, give some money back to the heartland of America, which is Jon Stewart's <laughs> wallet. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was kind of funny when we were trying to pick what to watch this weekend. We, you know, there was only so many things that were out. And we're like, well, I mean, we got to at least do the follow-up John Stewart movie from the last time we reviewed a John Stewart movie. Um, of course, yeah. I mean, we, we saw Rosewater before it was cool to watch John <laughs> Stewart movies. <laughs> and then, you know, that, that was the case there. And they were like, well, what's it competing against? Like Eurovision Song Contest? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will find out by the end of this night uh, which one of these two films was maybe the better choice. Um, yeah. I will say it felt strange. It, it felt strange to have these be the options after a few weeks of a number of rather like serious and often prestigious films to suddenly be like, well, the John Stewart movie everybody hates or a Eurovision Song Contest. And we're like both. <laughs> yeah. But the good thing about pairing this $20 film with Eurovision Song Contest, which is free, it's kind of like we rented two $9.99 movies. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's the Trolls and Trolls 2 equation all over again. <laughs> I do want to say, so I, I think I already, it, it was probably Twitter or somewhere where I mentioned this, that when I saw Jon Stewart's last movie, I did a back-to-back -back viewing of that and Saving Christmas by Kirk Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a history in this podcast of being willing to watch movies that maybe people have panned just for the sake of having something to review. And I'm glad that the, back then they were two separate things, watching the Jon Stewart movie and watching the movie everybody hated. But having them combine <laughs> into one thing was kind of just a magical evolution of the podcast, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you say, Stephen? We just get into it then. Let's do it. All right, well, we are going to take a listen to the trailer for Irresistible, and then we're going to come back and we're going to give you all a review. Democrats are getting their asses kicked. We need some way to road test a more rural-friendly message. If you can't live your principles in the bad times, I guess they aren't principles, they're just hobbies. Nice. John Wayne and a tractor have a baby, and all you can say is nice. Really nice. Oh, my God. Very it's very so nice. nice. Colonel Jack Hastings is our key back into the great now swing state of Wisconsin. He just doesn't know it yet. Can I be completely honest with you? No bull. Be nice. My daughter's here. That was your daughter with her arm up the cow. Guys like me don't know how to talk to guys like you. Do you have a bottle opener? That's a nice, just a twist. Oh, you twist off? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Maybe he does need a bottle. Maybe use your, Probably. your vest. But I would like to offer my services. Can we quiet the cows, please? To help run for mayor, dear Larkin. And if you could get some of them to face front, 
I'm telling you guys, Jack could be the real deal. This little campaign of ours has caught the attention of the National Republican Party. Why are you here? Because crushing the last piece of hope in your eyes really gets me off. It's good to see you. Yeah. You look fat. <laughs> I'm gonna make a big deal of this. It's on here, boys. Game on. Tons of press, lots of money. This seems a bit crazy. What do you think of that right there? No, I don't. Oh. Sorry, not you, Dot. This is the 18. All you have is fear. 20 bucks says I do better with fear than you do with shame. The Democrat Party can't win. They're getting desperate. This is really just another perfect example of the DC elite trying to dictate how we should live. That's we, your DC elite. Oh, no, actually, I'm from here. I'm from Deer Lackin. That's a lie. That's a lie. No, no, here. that's what are you even okay. doing? Well, that's here. always a great and spirited discussion. Irresistible. Written and directed by John Stewart. In theaters and on demand June 26th. Go to watchirresistible.com for more. That was the trailer for Irresistible. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read the description from IMDb because uh, that'll help me better summarize what this movie is about. But essentially, a Democratic strategist helps a retired veteran run for mayor of a small conservative Midwest town. Um, Stephen Miller. Well, actually, my, my big question for you, really, which uh, I, I didn't do at the top of the show, but uh, in our last review of 7500, you talked about watching a film as though it could potentially be based on a true story. <laughs> do mm -hmm. you think if this film was based on a true story, it would have made it a more watchable film? Oh, God. I mean, that is hard to answer because for it to be based on a true story, my main problem with the film, which is that it has nothing to do with the world we live in, would be gone. <laughs> so it, it, it's really hard to answer that question. <laughs> um, no, I think it would still actually be a pretty bland film, even if it was based on a true story. So yeah. here's the thing is for I, I'm not going to spoil what it is, but I will say this movie has a twist up its sleeve and what that means is for much of the movie it felt like a very generic treacly kind of shitty story about blue collar america changing for the better like the the equivalent of the rally to restore sanity that john stewart threw like 10 years ago of like can't all sides get along we have more in common than we have different you know if only the suits would get out of the way and let regular people talk you'll realize that you know, blue, blue collar America, they're loving and they're kind and they're going to rally for each other. And, you know, gruff Chris Cooper has things to give and he, people will listen. And, you know, like this movie felt very bland and generic. Um, it felt like that there was a Kevin Bacon movie, I swear, that was a lot like what this movie felt like. I never watched it, but I remember trailers for it of like the man <laughs> who has to cast the deciding vote for who can be president. And he lives in like rural America I have no idea what this movie is. Maybe it's is. not Kevin Bacon. I'm gonna. Someone is yelling at the at the podcast right now. I'll look it up while you're talking about how you feel. <laughs> but anyway, then the twist came, and it was an even worse movie than what it was before <laughs> the twist came. Um, so we can't talk about the twist without going into spoilers. So I, I won't really talk about it right now. Um, but for most of this movie. I couldn't stop thinking, and we've mentioned this before, that Veep has just ruined political satire 
because it did it so much better. And everything <laughs> in this movie that claims to be a satire, I feel like this movie is barely a satire of anything. Oh, yeah. But you not. could map characters just one to one onto characters in Veep and just realize how far it is falling from like the actual bite of good political satire. You know, like Rose Byrne seems like the most obvious example. There is a season of Veep where Anna Chlumsky is just like, whatever Rose Byrne is trying to do here, she's just doing it like a thousand times more cravenly. Um, Steve Carell is the political insider. He can be like almost every single character in Veep does better than Steve Carell at being the insider who only cares about winning, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just, it felt very muddled. It, it it felt extremely like sentimental. You know, it opens, it's in the trailer with Chris Cooper giving a passionate speech about how ID checks for welfare recipients are not fair and they're hurting regular people and we need to stand by our principles. Um, and the whole concept is this man is a Democrat and he just doesn't know it yet. But like, a Democrat who doesn't know it yet would not give an impassioned speech about ID checks being like, like, like the, the very idea of this movie just doesn't seem like it understands what Republicans or Democrats believe or what kind of things they would get passionate about. And you can argue there are reasons for that. And I will argue I don't care because on either level, <laughs> this movie doesn't work for me. Um, whether I take it at face value or whether I take it as the satire that maybe it wants to be, it just feels like it didn't have anything to say. I mean, it, there are stakes, you know, that Steve Carell's character being the big suit from D.C. who is bringing big politics into the small town. You're supposed to feel like he's a little bit too surface level, too manipulative, and he's going to elevate this thing to a point where the people who are behind it no longer feel that they're being accurately represented. And the moral quandaries that this film throws are just so forgettable and boring and just completely lazy to me. It Like... This movie was long enough, like, I don't know, an hour, 40 minutes, an hour, 45. I barely feel like anything happened until the end when it summarized what it was trying to do. Like, yeah. like I just didn't feel also, any bit of this movie. Um, the, the, the dumbest thing about the end is, like, the non-twist part of the end, like, the result of that day, the film doesn't even deal with what that actually means for the town, like just the fact of what they were doing not counting the twist doesn't like you have no idea how that resolves anything right like yeah they could have not done that and still done the twist part right right like there's nothing about that scenario that thing that yeah, yeah, requires it like it it's it completely matter. unrelated <laughs> it's just supposed to be like a big like whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah it just I don't know. By the way, it was Swing Vote with Kevin Cosner, not Kevin mm. Bacon. That's the movie I was thinking of. Uh, okay, I've definitely heard of this film. <laughs> yeah, I just remember the trailers for it. Uh, this was during the era when like Kevin Cosner being only a little racist was kind of like a big deal for all movies. <laughs> like that was <laughs> him learning how to be incrementally less terrible. Um, Is that before he made all his apology movies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's just... There were little things that I liked fine, you know, I, I like the cast okay, I guess. I think they're in a bad movie, so they don't get to do very much. But uh, there's a moment where Steve Carell sniffs a Budweiser. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> there's like, no, that's about it. There's very little that's funny in this movie, actually. <laughs> and the, and the even taken at face value. No, go ahead. I was going to say the Budweiser sniffing was, it was also one of my only parts that I enjoyed. 
But even that, that whole event is teeing up a thing that you think this either has to be a joke that gets resolved later or this movie doesn't understand what America in 2020 is. You know, like, I don't know. I just felt like it, it was this weird middle ground between a satire and realism. And whichever way I read it, it felt like it just didn't understand the world well enough to be funny, which was just not... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It it was very broad and very generic. The characters are like you know, Mackenzie Davis has an important role in this movie and I feel like we don't learn anything about her at all except for kind of what she is a stand-in for. <laughs> and even for Rose Byrne and Steve Carell. Like Steve Carell and Rose Byrne are the extreme comic figures in this movie and I feel like even them we barely get any specific information about their character. Like they they just are an idea and that yeah, I don't know. It just bothered me. I found this to be a very long, boring hour, 40 minutes, even setting aside that I think 2020 is like the worst time for this movie to come out. Yeah, for me, sitting down to watch this film, I was like, there is no way this film can be as bad as people are saying. It's probably getting shit on because it's not biting enough or the arguments it's making aren't necessarily valid. Like, it, I figured that there was some sort of like, agenda e reason to shit on this movie um but then it started and the very first joke is this like <laughs> stupid google home siri joke that mm-hmm. where like he he can't shut them off and he's trying to get them to talk to each other even though no human being would be trying to get them to talk to each other to shut each other off and it was like it was like i was like oh is this gonna be the humor of this whole movie and then from then on in it kind of just the whole thing had like a groany feel to it and it just didn't have the pace. You know, it's, it's funny that you were bringing up Veep because the entire movie, all I could think about was Veep and go, you know, it is really amazing. It, it, it goes to show you how good Veep actually is because there are literal lines of dialogue, which could be in Veep and in Veep, it's hilarious and it's great. Yeah. And in this film, it's terrible. Like in the opening scene where, you know, our, conservative guy walks into the thing and starts ranting about ids um there's a part where the mayor of the town says hey i don't make the rules and then he's like well i mean i guess in this case i do make the rules and like with that exact same line with no response and a better delivery and maybe just some character face reactions would be hilarious in veep and i'm sure it's in veep somewhere um but like yeah or there's there's another one later that involves a teachable moment that i feel like if selena meyer had said it it would be perfect like it would work yeah yeah great i I can actually see all the people telling her or 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 jonah (laughs) right like it's like all all of that works perfectly in this type of story and instead what we get is something that just it has no teeth and it's really really confusing to who these characters are supposed to be and why it's chosen to to present it to us in this way like this is supposed to be this like democrat going to the small town to like a- achieve change and like better the world but every single time uh, steve carell speaks we're like, this guy's a fucking asshole and he's shitty yeah. and he looks down on literally every single person he interacts with and he's an asshole and he's a piece of shit. And it, it's weird to have him coming into town at like, there's all these scenes where like, you know, the music gets all swelly and he's like talking about these like ideals of how to, to make, you know, America a better place. And if we can all just have these opinions on things, then like we'd all be happy with each other. 
nothing about his character shows that he's a good human being who wants anybody else to achieve any amount of greatness at all. He just wants to beat his rival. And I, and it's, there's, there are some stories like in succession that is about these rivalries within a family and people grabbing for power. And that film like that, or that, that, that show, that series, I I didn't even like it until like the fourth episode of season two, (laughs) but that is, that is literally about the people fighting and what's actually happening within the company is kind of less important to the power dynamics of those people. This film doesn't have that where it really cares about this power dynamic and what what each of the people is doing. It's really just like these people who are rivals, like hurling insults at each other and trying to outraise the money of the other person and then making fun of dial up seven times. And it just, every, everything about it feels really, really soft and weird. And I just don't, I just don't even get what it was trying to do. Yeah. And the the thing too, is you don't, it's hard without going into spoilers, but like you don't even know, what the sides are supposed to stand for in the moments when you are supposed to be rooting for them. <laughs> like, I, like unless I was just not paying enough attention, which is possible, like this movie did not grip me that much. I, I was probably not as attentive throughout all of it as I have been in some other movies. But I feel like no one has a position on anything. No one has a thing that they care about. And even though it goes through the motions of a campaign growing and becoming more brutal, I don't know anything about the campaign at all it yeah. it is this weird movie that is kind of all signifier and no content and it, it's very 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 strange to me um i was just thinking too about there are little things that because this movie is trying to be like this is the rust belt this is everyday americans these are people who don't engage with politics very much who have never voted democrat in their life but could be persuaded by empathy and by like you know direct conversations that aren't belittling them And in this movie, among other things, a character says, hey, when they go low, we go high, right? Like, why would they say that if they are like in this? (laughs) That whole scene where they they redo that over and over, like we go low. Oh, yeah. So we go low, then we go a little bit less low than them. Well, no, we go higher than they go low. But we like, I hated everything about that scene. Like, why would they be quoting Michelle Obama if they are supposedly like lifelong Republican blue collar America? Like, it it just doesn't it, it, it's just weird. Like, it doesn't yeah. know what it wants the characters to be. It feels more like John Stewart was like, ooh, let's talk about this. That is going to be indicting because the sides do both go low, you know? <laughs> what what? What I think the thing that makes me so mad about this film, including the spoiler, which I want to actually say, is that. I mean, much more in the spinoffs of the original John Stewart show, but in like the Colbert show and um, or the Colbert Rapport um, and the, you know, uh, John Oliver's show now, like both of those, you know, characters that they're playing in real life to prove a point will do something where they'll like start a whole movement or get donations and, 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 and get a bunch of money to prove a point about some flaw in a system, right? This seems like instead of doing a two minute segment on a show where you prove your point by just doing something, this is like, I make a whole movie about the premise of that statement. And there's not enough in the film to actually back up 
the premise that is being or that 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 like the real thesis of this movie there's not enough in the film to support that it's literally just the last three minutes of the film and i think what's most annoying to me too is that as we said this is dc people coming down to a little town and it was was it wisconsin yeah yeah so it's a little town. or something wisconsin yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a little, yeah, dear lock, Locken, Locken. Um, yeah. And, and so basically they're coming down to affect a mayoral race in a town. This is not flipping a House or Senate seat in a swing state. This is just a mayoral race. And even if they accomplish their goal, how does that affect the United States as a whole? Like, I don't get the chain reaction that was supposed to be happening in, in like, it's not affecting a district in a state. It is just like the mayor's seat, right? There's no change that can come from flipping that role other than like people being butthurt. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, it it is weird to me that it would even become this big because I feel like we've seen this movie before where a character who was like really big and powerful falls down to earth and then they have to hitch their wagon to like a a new kind of very humble star in the hope that they're going to get big again. For some reason, I can't think of movies like this, but it's a thing that happens over and over. It's kind of a common theme of the hotshot being brought to some like small scale event. Yeah. I don't understand in this movie how it gets this big Um, because I don't know what the game plan is. I don't know what the point is. It's an election for mayor in a town that nobody cares about. It isn't symbolic of anything even. Um, But it is presented as if it not only were a big deal, but it is incredibly obvious that it would be a big deal. Yeah. And, and that kind of the plot hinges on the idea that it's incredibly obvious. <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird. And it just gets all these weird details that I don't understand. Like Steve Carell is established at the beginning of the movie. He's an asshole. He likes things a certain way, right? He There's a scene where he's telling his assistant what he wants on his trip to Aspen. And he keeps like coming back for more and more and more and more info. And then he arrives in a town and he doesn't have a hotel booked, so he just has to, like, ask if there's a hotel. And it, I, I, like, I don't, like, like I, little things like that didn't make sense to me. Like, that isn't how a political operative would have done that. Like, he yeah. would have apparently done research to be manipulative, right? And, and if he can make sure his salad on his private... Oh, yeah, yeah, the private jet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, if he can make sure his his uh, salad is available to him on his private jet and he can get the exact car he wants. He can also book ahead a hotel. Mm. Yeah. And then there's also the, um, like the way it tries to joke about what blue collar America is, is like there's the lady at the coffee shop who just gives coffee, doesn't ask what kind the beer. He just gets a bud. There's no other kinds of beer for him to get. And like, no, he asked for a bud. That's his fault. He yeah. was trying to no, be... No, I know. So, yeah. so I will say again, like the movie is trying to make it be his opinion of this area is what is dictating the way we see it. But it's still like the like the Siri or Google whatever joke. It, it just feels like a thing that could have been written like 10 years ago and it would have felt dumb then. Like it yeah, just yeah. is so generic and yeah, it doesn't have any bite or any real observation to it. Yeah, so do we want to actually have a spoiler segment to talk about this film? Um, 
let's have a tiny one just to just to do it i I don't think it'll be long but yeah just so i can be more specific in (laughs) me not liking this movie all right well before we can do that we have to let everybody know our pre-spoiler verdicts so stephen miller if you're going to say must see recommend with a caveat wait for rental pass with a caveat or a must avoid what would you give it i mean i'm debating between must avoid or pass with a caveat Uh, i think i'm going must avoid actually uh, like, I don't think this movie was horrendous. It wasn't like, it wasn't the emoji movie. It wasn't a movie that like hurt me to watch or that made me angry all the time. But it just, for the talent it had and for what it delivers, it just felt so like bland, toothless and didn't feel like a movie. Like it felt like, like the Hillbilly Elegy was this book everyone read that was about like, here's how real rural america is and if we could only understand that then we would understand the world and this just feels like another version of that where it's just like a thing that makes everyone it's supposed to make you feel a little satisfied that you're like uh-huh yep regular people are all good and that's all there is to politics <laughs> was, that, and I, was that your regular people voice yeah that was my regular people voice um yeah i don't know i just thought it was didactic and boring and didn't need to exist so yeah must avoid yeah i'm gonna give it a must avoid too definitely must avoid the price tag for this film because Mm -hmm. there's no world in which this is worth spending 20 dollars to rent um so i'm sorry john stewart but uh you know i mean we still would probably give it a must avoid if it was 4.99 rental or something like that but still it just sucks that this is 20 (laughs) dollars But yeah, uh, that is going to be the end of the non-spoiler part of this review. So uh, we will say goodbye to folks and then uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit of spoilers for a brief moment. So for now, Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? People can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can head over to thespoilerwarning.com where you get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Irresistible, so hopefully you're enjoying that. As we said, we're going to take off. Music's going to fade up. When the music fades back down, we'll be in spoiler territory. So watch out. I mean, we already told you not to watch it, so what do you care if we spoil it? Just keep listening. We are back. That music is faded down. This is spoiler territory. It's the after part of our review of Irresistible. Um, there's just one thing I guess we have to talk about uh, here in the end, and that is the actual real subject of what this film is. Um, Stephen, do you want to explain it for folks? <laughs> sure. Uh, so on election day, which again, I still don't know what the two characters stood for in the election, because <laughs> as far as I know, there's almost nothing by way of debate or a back and forth, even in montage form that would tell me anything about who I'm rooting for, except for the word Democrat versus Republican. Um, On election day, Rose Byrne and Steve Carell are out there having an argument 
and they realize no one is voting. No, no one is at the polling locations. There, there is no information coming in on how the people have voted, and they're shocked. And and so they go to the big town hall, uh, the an area where Chris Cooper at the beginning of the movie gave his speech, and everyone is there, I guess, in the whole town, and they've just announced the vote it was a perfect fifty-fifty split between the Republican and the Democrat. And the reason is this was all staged by Mackenzie Davis because she knew she knew that if they made a viral video, a Democratic uh, D.C. insider would come there and try to get her dad, Chris Cooper, to become a famous politician. And then the right would come in and they would send their Rose Byrne and they would make it a big thing. And a ton of money would get pumped into super PACs because that's what we're all thinking about right now um, (laughs) would get pumped into super PACs in the small town. And they could take that money and siphon it to help the town, to pay for schools, to pay for things that the town needed instead. So they're going to harness the big dark money in politics for good instead of evil. And in the end, the real enemy was neither the left nor the right but the media, the overly politicized media and the money machine that tries to turn good people against each other. And money lived happily ever after reveling in its outsized influence (laughs) in American politics. That is an actual quote in this didactic fucking ending of a movie. (laughs) Was that one of the title cards at the end? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I must have been like trying to wipe blood out of my eyes (laughs) at Mm. that point in the film. Chris, how did how did that twist make you feel? Oh <laughs> uh, well, first, what it made me feel is when they were like, "It's a tie, one to one." Like I said earlier in this review, I was like, "And what does that fucking mean? That doesn't mean anything." Like, it means it the daughter is the mayor. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't. Like that explains nothing. There's no result from that. Like. There's some process in place that allows them to break the tie, whether it's a flipping of a coin. There's no point in doing that other than like the characters can go like, ain't we clever? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, like, so that was first annoying. Then when the characters explain what it is they really did, we're like, well, we just funneled in all the money. And then now, since you wouldn't give us that to restore the town, we have that money. And we've, I mean, the, the funny thing too, is it isn't until the credit scene where you have John Stewart in his interview with the other guy, um, where he says you could donate it to a charity. There's no, there's no point in this film where they say how they're giving the money to the city. They just like say, right. and now we got all the money. Yay. Um, so it, it just, the whole thing, I was kind of like, first of all, I hate when a film literally just, lies to you the whole time and in the end says like trick that's not a good clever like oh shit i should have been able to notice this was happening the whole time yeah it isn't like it was hiding there for most of the movie or anything except for the fact that the movie feels forced and stupid and now at the end they're like it's okay that it felt forced it was forced yeah yeah it just it, it didn't make any sense and then the result of it is it just it doesn't work to make a whole movie out of a premise that you're trying to like make a point that a, a town could theoretically do this and i'm like cool do it then like make it it's only like if somebody if if he would have actually tried this and it worked and then made a movie about how he did it that could have actually been interesting because you're trying to see how he actually pulled that off but then again i didn't like uh 
bad education or whatever it was called because I didn't like the film didn't tell me about how he actually was embezzling. It was just like him getting caught embezzling. So I feel like, I feel yeah. like th- yeah, I mean, this, this could have been like hail Satan, right? Where it's like, we're going to take this thing that is legal and prove by absurdity that it shouldn't be anymore. You know, yeah, that, yeah. that would be a kind of actual edgy, daring thing to do. Yeah. 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 That would be cool. But instead we got this fucking movie. <laughs> and, even, and even if it had been that though, I just like, I understand that money in politics is an important deal. You know, Bernie rails against it all the time. Uh, it's becoming a kind of common thing to care about. The way this movie frames it as the problem, and like there's even a rant towards the end where someone talks about the media projecting things on an artificial right to left axis to create a sense of controversy. It really just makes it feel it, it's like the liberal equivalent of saying fake news media. Like th- there's no difference to me between this movie's message and the people who rant about CNN fake news and the failing New York Times or whatever. Like they're saying the media just wants you to get angry. So they're making things that aren't an issue into an issue. And if we could just tune them out and talk to each other, we would all be fine. And like, I don't think that's true. Like, I don't think anyone who lived through the last four years could honestly believe that that is true anymore. Well, and it, it's just so weird to me that this is the movie John Stewart, who has been out of the spotlight for so long, like wants to make to like make a statement about our political moment is everyone is generally good and decent. And it's just the media making things feel like a big deal when it's not. The, the funny thing, too, though, is that the media doesn't become a, th- a, a part in this story until after the two rivals have sunk millions of dollars in that. So it's actually mm-hmm. backwards. If the media was covering the race and the sensationalization of the media is what caused uh, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party to like funnel their money in, then I guess he would have a point. But what the way, what the way this film is, is this one guy for for theoretically because he has some idealized version of how the world is going to change by making this one guy mayor he moves into a town and he baits his rival to come in because he has just lost an election (laughs) it's like it's like he's trying to equate like losing the 2016 election to to like i can make up with that by making this one guy mayor in a little town in nowhere no one cares uh wisconsin or whatever it was it's just that yeah. it, it seems so seems so strange to me. Very strange. And so anyway, I, I was referencing how certain things early in the movie, it tries to explain that way. For instance, like the coffee thing. Apparently the woman was really nervous because she's trying to play a part for him. The beer thing when he's at the Hofbrau house and orders a bud. Well, actually, they wouldn't have Bud. They would be drinking all these different beers already. Like, it it tries to do this flip of, like, gotcha, you fell into the trap of believing in this blue-collar town being what you think it is. But there's no reality in the movie. Like like you said, like, it's annoying when a movie just lies to you and then goes, like, ha-ha, gotcha. Like, it... I I just feel like it's such a lazy way to have a twist. So I don't think the lady and the Bud are related to the ruse. I think because he comes in and asks for a bud because he thinks that's what you would order in that sort of place. And the guy just goes like, uh, sure, I'll get you a bud. And then with the lady, she was just actually nervous and she's just weird. I think the feeling though, that everyone is pandering to him or that characters 
act in a kind of subdued way when you think they should have more going on behind them is related to the twist in this movie that like the whole town isn't on the joke. And to me, like his belief in what they would drink and what they would eat and how simple they are is mirrored by his belief that this one guy would rail against ID checks for welfare recipients and everyone else would hate him. And like, I think the movie is trying to say that they are all actually good people and mostly care about things and all this mumbo jumbo liberal elite bullshit is like not true. Yeah. So in my mind, they're like emotionally similar, even though I get they aren't like literally the same. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Cool. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Well, should we put uh, Irresistible behind us and go move on to uh, Eurovision? (laughs) Yep, please. Let's do it. All right, let's do that. Talk to you later, everybody. Bye.